grab a notebook up here if you'd like. It is good to be in God's house, and Amen. I uh, thought a lot about Wednesday night on Thursday, and considering where we are as a church, and so much of life just happening. Life is messy. Anybody agree with that? It just is. It's just messy. And uh, so I'm going to go back to John chapter nine. If you're visiting with us today by social media, internet, something of that sort. And of course, you were not here on Wednesday night, but we talked about this on Wednesday night. And uh, the more I thought about that, the more I thought, boy, that just really fits where we are as a church. There's just a lot going on. I want us to read that passage of Scripture, but before we do that, I want us to what if... God doesn't get me out, but rather leads me in. What if in life, God doesn't protect me from harm, God doesn't protect me from difficult times, but rather He leads me in. Not that He allows me to be there, but He may even lead me into those difficult situations. Think about that. What happens? How are we going to respond if God chooses to allow us to go through those difficult times? And even if he leads us into those difficult times. For one thing, at the end of it, I hope I could consider it an honor to have served in that capacity. But going through it sometimes, we just, it's difficult. It just is. When you hear that C word announced at the hospital, when your little one that you so desperately want to protect is struggling and there's just nothing you can do. When the finances t- seem to be just up to here and your income is way down here. How are we going to respond? What, what's, what's the purpose? Purpose in our pain. The story of the blind man, and we'll not nearly cover all that this morning, but the story of the blind man really is a picture of God working out his plan, his, his life goal throughout this man. So I want to encourage you to go back and read the whole chapter, but for today, we're just going to look at the first three verses and then look at some other verses in the context of what we're talking about. Now, as Jesus passed by, think about that. Catch that word. As Jesus passed by. Now, every one of us, at some point in time, Jesus has passed by in our life. If not, we wouldn't be here. He's touched us in some way. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? Now don't be too hard on those disciples. We do the same thing. Something bad happens in a Christian's life and we go, oh, wonder what they did. This man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered 
neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. But what if God chooses to work through my life in that same way? How will I respond? What if life gets so tough that I just can't seem to manage, but I know I'm right in the middle of God's will? How will I respond? Because life gets messy. It gets difficult. It gets hard. And many times it's not any fault of our own or our parents. I want us to look at just a few illustrations this morning before we get started. What about John the Baptist? The very cousin of Jesus himself. The forerunner. The one who came through the wilderness and told those that he came in contact with, there's somebody coming greater than me who I'm not even worthy to loose the sandals on his feet. He's coming. John found himself into prison. Why? Not because of sin. Because he rebuked Herod for personal sin in Herod's life. You see, Herod decided he wanted his brother's wife. His brother's name was Philip. So he divorces his wife and he gets Herodias, Philip's wife. And the Bible says in Luke 319 that John the Baptist rebuked him or reproved him or told him about his sin in his life. John was a preacher of the of the gospel of the word. And of course that made Herod mad. So Herod threw him into prison. And then this birthday party came about and Herodias' daughter danced before Herod and, and in the midst of his enjoyment, the lust of his eyes, he told the daughter, you can have anything in my, up to half of my kingdom, you just name it. So she goes back home and tells mom, hey, anything we want. And Herodias in her revengeful spirit said, I want John the Baptist's head on a plate. Now, remember, this is Jesus' cousin. He's in prison for doing the right thing. He's about to be, be beheaded because of some irate woman who decides that's what she wants. And that's what happens to John the Baptist. But I want us to go back a little bit and look at that story it's in Matthew chapter 11 and also two or three other places in Scripture. But Jesus is coming on the scene. He's preaching and John the Baptist is in prison. And the sick are being healed. The blind are seeing. The lame are walking. Miracles are being performed. And John the Baptist sends two of his disciples to Jesus. And there's some doubt. He says, I want you to go ask Jesus, are you the one? Or should we be looking for somebody else? You see, because I'm in prison. And John the Baptist's focus then becomes on him rather than on Jesus and the others around. He begins to focus on his peril of being thrown in prison. And his response was some doubt. Doubt. 
But I want you to, li to listen to how Jesus responded to him. He says, go back and tell John the Baptist. Go back and tell him that things are happening. Good things are happening. It's going on. Uh, people are being healed. But I want you to tell him one other thing. And he ends with this. This is what I want you to tell him. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Some of your Bibles may say stumbled. That word offended there in the original language is a word that means to not fall away or to have doubt and to stop believing. Blessed is he who is not offended. It doesn't fall away because of me. Just because I'm not operating in the way that you think I am, don't, don't doubt who I am. Jesus is telling John the Baptist, hold tight. Keep the faith. Know what you know. Don't stumble because of what I do or what I don't do sometimes. But then we ask the question sometimes, why do good things or why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I heard a great answer to that. Or, or read it, I don't know, I think I read it and it was just simply this that is a misstatement because none of us are good you see everything that happens to us in life is ultimately because of sin all the way back to the beginning, if man had never fallen, of course we would have if we'd been second or third in line it, Sin is what causes us to fall. Sin is what causes us to have problems in our life. Sin is what causes the, the money to run out before the month runs out. Sin is what causes us to have health difficulties in our life and relational difficulties in our life. But it's not always our sin that causes that. I want you to listen to another example. Dr. Kent Brantley. He's the doctor that's well known for... Uh, the Ebola breakout in Liberia, West Africa. Dr. Ken Brantley didn't go to West Africa to fight Ebola. Dr. Kent Brantley went to West Africa after being raised in a Christian home. He went to a Christian school. And at the age of 17, he was on a mission trip. He had been on several mission trips before this, but there was something different. He met this medical missionary and he said, I think I can do that. And God used all of these situations and circumstances leading up to this. And Dr. Kent Brantley began his studies. He attended Abilene Christian University in Texas, earned his undergraduate degree in 2003, earned a medical degree from IU University and School of Medicine uh, in 2009, did his residency and his fellowship in Texas and went to the mission field gave up financial security big money because of testimonies that I've heard as I read and studied his life a little bit this past week very brilliant doctor could have rapidly excelled in his field but went to the mission field 
And while serving as medical missionaries in Monrovia, Liberia, in West Africa, with World Medical Missions, which is an arm of Samaritan's Purse, it's their medical arm, he contracted the Ebola virus in the summer of 2014. Doing exactly what God called him to do. I want you to understand something about the Ebola virus. It had, it had rampantly spread in, in Guinea, which is the state or the province just north of where he was serving. Not really thinking much about it until it spread into Liberia. And when it happened, Dr. Graham pulled his medical team together and said, we either stay and work and serve these people or we pull out. I'm not asking any of you to stay unless you want to stay. Because up until that point, there had never been a survivor of the Ebola virus. Not one. And when Dr. Brantley was, had contracted disease, he says that he had, he had served about 45 patients up to that point with only one survivor. And that survivor, they were not sure whether he, he actually had Ebola or not because he never manifested all of the uh, symptoms of that rampant virus. But I want you to watch this video. It's a little over five minutes, I think, but I think it's worth watching of his testimony of some of the things that he went through. And this is not nearly all the story, but watch this video about a man who, who and I think he even says it in this video, God led him into this situation. Go ahead, Dave. Called life, called for life. How loving our neighbor led us into the heart of the Ebola epidemic. What happens when life gets tough? How do we respond? I can't imagine being blind from birth. But the Bible says that when Jesus walked by, he saw this blind man. Now there's several ways you can look at this. You can look at this as a, a physical blindness, which I believe he was because the Bible says that he had his sight restored. But you can also look at this as Jesus being interested in our spiritual blindness. And both of those would cause us to suffer. But number one in your notes, suffering can be, but is not always the result of sin in our life. We just saw two examples, John the Baptist, um, the Brantley family. There's something about the man that attracted Jesus and the disciples. The Bible says that Jesus saw him, which indicates that there was interest. I want you to know something this morning. If you're going through a difficult time, Jesus is just not off in some distant place unconcerned about your your strife and your struggle our suffering our heart cry gets his attention but the disciples asked this question who sinned almost an immediate condemnation of the man because of difficulty in his life 
And Jesus, I can just imagine as I try to, sometimes I do this, I try to get pictures in my mind of a, of a Bible story or a scripture that I'm reading. I can just imagine Jesus kind of stepping back. He said, neither one. You don't get it. You've been around me all this time and you still don't get it. We've gone through some 2,000 years and we still don't get it. But the end of that passage, and that's where I want to spend some time this morning. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. God so desperately wants to work through your life and through my life and many times it's through the difficulties in our life because most of the time, if you think about it, most of the time the way God gets our attention is when we go through difficulties in our life. Most of us have a testimony or a story about how we came to Christ and many of us Many of us would share that it was through this tragedy or through this death or through this sickness or the loss of this person or a relationship that went bad. Something happened in our life that caused us to turn our attention toward Jesus as he walked by. Something caused us to, to look for something, to, to fill that void in our life, that empty hole, that spot that couldn't be filled by anything else. And God used a difficulty or a tragedy in our life to do that. But what if he chooses to reach someone else through difficulty in my life? How will I respond? The, uh, the Billy Graham Association did a documentary, and I saw this. It's a movie documentary, whatever you want to call it. And Dr. Brantley said this, and I don't know if I have it word for word, but he said this. Living out our faith many times does not protect us from harm but will lead us into danger. Think about that. John the Baptist doing the right thing. Kent Brantley doing the right thing. Knew that he was called to the mission field and finds himself in the midst of being over there in what, if you, if you see this whole interview, it's about probably 50 minutes long. He talks about, and his wife talks about, it was easy at first. We were on the mission field. We lived close to the ocean there in West Africa. And it was a really good time. And God was just preparing them, building relationships, having them to know the people and to understand the hearts of the people. God was just preparing them for one of the most devastating things that they'll ever face in their life. And many times when we go through difficult times we, and we go back and look and we see what God does to sustain us through those times, we go have to look and see the same thing that God prepared me to go through that. But how am I going to respond? Because there's always somebody looking to see the difficulty in our life. And if you go ahead and read the rest of that story in John chapter 9, you can see that there were many people watching the blind man's life. And I love the way that it Toward the end of it, it kind of ends. I, all I know is that I don't know who this man is. I don't know what happened, but all I can tell you is I once was blind, but now I see. And that's a paraphrase. We all have a story to tell, but how will we respond?
Because sometimes, number two in your notes, suffering is so that the works of God can be demonstrated in our life. And that's difficult. It's hard. It's called life. God chooses to work through us. And sometimes it's not easy. If he had wanted it to be easy, he would not have allowed his son to die on the cross. He wouldn't have allowed Paul to be stuck in prison while he wrote most of the letters that he wrote to the churches. But John Phillips says this about this story. He said it was a deliberate case, planned in heaven with a specific divine purpose in mind. One purpose was to reveal God's personal touch in human life. And then he says this, no matter how contrary appearances may be from our limited perspective, we must take our stand as a, on a, a threefold proposition. That God is too loving to be unkind. He's too wise to make any mistake. And he's too powerful to be thwarted in his infinite purpose. You see, because for many of us, someone else was going through a difficult time, and we saw how they handled it, and that's why we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. But what if it's our turn? How do we respond? Jesus said that the man's suffering was not due to sin, but God allows us to suffer many times so that he can have an opportunity to work through us, so he can have an opportunity to show his compassion, prove his power, demonstrate that he cares, and to lead unbelievers to trust him. And when we suffer, we have a, a special opportunity, a special place of service to show forth how God can work in a believer's life and sustain us through those difficult times. He's too good to be unloving and unkind. You see, because he may just be using our difficulty to win the next lost person to himself. Sometimes suffering is so that the works of God can be demonstrated in our lives. Go on to that next slide. So what... And I wrote when I wrote this down, I couldn't put it all on one slide. I, there was a whole lot more to say, but I condensed it down to this. Why do we assume God's will for us is to have a big house, a new car, a prosperous retirement, a happy spouse, and an easy, protected ministry. When God's will for Paul was to be jailed, John the Baptist to remain in prison, Jesus to be crucified, Dr. Kent Branley to be serving in West Africa when the Ebola virus was rampant, and I could go on and on and on and on and on. He didn't promise us it would be easy. I love Romans 8.28, but that's a, that's a promise that is futuristic in most of our lives. All things will work together for the good. All things will, not necessarily right now, but will work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But in the meantime, we have to be faithful because God may just be warning to reveal the works of God in our life. Number three in your notes. Jesus came to work the works of God. 
And when he left his disciples, he told them that that was one of the things that they needed to do was to continue on what he had started. So what are the works of God? And I have just a very few of them. But when we go through those difficult times in our life, if all we had to hang on to was getting through, I think it would make it the, the much more difficult. But when we can see that there's purpose, even if we don't understand the purpose, God has a purpose for everything that happens in our life. And maybe it is just to see His working through our life. So what are? Letter A in your note, there is the work of seeking man. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's one of the works of, of Jesus is to seek man out. He sought out the blind man. You see, the blind man didn't have any resources to see who Jesus was or to see him coming down the street. But the Bible is very clear to say there that Jesus saw the blind man. And he sees us first in our sin. And he sees that person out there that may need to, to have someone come along beside them and lead them into relationship with Christ. And it just might be through the difficulties in your life and how you respond that leads that person to come to know Christ. What if he chooses me to do that? How will I respond? And then letter B, there's a work of caring for man. God cares for that blind man. He cares for the sparrow that falls the ground he cares for the lilies of the field Matthew is very clear to tell us there that if he cares for those how much more does he care for you and for me Matthew 20 28 says just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many he cares so much that he allowed his son to die on the cross 1 Peter 5, 7, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, 5, 6, and 7, that he may exalt you in due time. When those difficult times come, we humble ourselves to the point of serving him and wait for him to exalt us in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The Bible is very clear that he cares for us. Then there's the work of love and compassion. God loves and had compassion on this blind man. You see, he healed him. He was blind in his darkness of physical, uh, being able to see physically, but he was also blind spiritually. And he began to believe because of what God did in his life. And there were many others that saw what happened and believed. If the man had been born with good sight, there would not have been an example to use. And if my difficulty doesn't come in my life, maybe God chooses some way else to reach those people but I lose the privilege of serving him in that capacity Hebrews 4 15 and 16 says for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace there's that grace we were saying about earlier that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need his grace is abundant. If you're struggling today, He does care and have compassion for you. And then there's the work of delivering from darkness and giving sight. John 8, 12 says, this, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You see, we 
most of us don't really have a lot of problems seeing but spiritually we're all blind we're all born blind and God has to remove that blindness and many times he does that through difficulties in life letter E in your notes there's the work of preaching the gospel Luke 4.18 I told you I wouldn't cover very many of these and you'll see some more here Luke 4.18 says this the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor we have a mandate to preach the gospel to the poor who are the poor every one of us are poor in spirit he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You see, our very difficulty in life may just be to reach the next lost person. Will we be faithful? Paul was. Listen to what he said. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We, we just can't keep our mouth shut. 1 Corinthians 9.16 says this, Necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. What happens when life gets tough? Will our life still be a proclamation of the gospel and of the love of Christ? Or will we choose to wallow in our sorrow and our difficulty? I hope we can respond in such a way that it would bring honor and glory to God. What a joy it will be when we get to heaven and we see face to face those who watched our sufferings and understood the grace of God and the peace of God and came to know Jesus because God worked his work through our life. I like what Larry Richard says. I think this is the last slide in the notes. We cannot choose how God will glorify himself in us, but we can seek to glorify him whatever our situation. Amen. We 